I invite you to take your Bible today and turn to John chapter 14. In John 14, we're looking at a very important passage, and it's a very important question in our series, Answers for Today. And the question is this, is Jesus the only way to God? And of course, this is one of those uh, one-sentence sermons again. Yes, uh, that he is. Uh, But we're going to explore it a little bit deeper and see what Jesus had to say and and see about the possibility uh, that uh, this claim that Jesus is the only way is actually true. And it seems today that a lot of people have increasing issues with evangelical Christians, um, uh, whether it's political issues going on in the world or whether it's uh, just things that uh, uh, the the culture sort of developing into a more pagan type of culture, um, regressing, if you will, back uh, previous before the 4th century A.D., uh, from which Christianity began to, uh, to flourish and then eventually became uh, permeated, permeating throughout uh, Roman culture. Um, but it seems like we're going back to uh, very pagan ideas, uh, non-Christian ideas, and we've talked about that before. But this uh, seems to give rise to an increasing amount of angst towards Christians, these days, and especially when we make claims that, like, Jesus is the only way to God. Uh, people say, well, that, that seems very narrow-minded. It seems very arrogant uh, for you Christians to say that. It seems disrespectful to other people with different views and uh, different religions. It seems even unloving to say something like that. Uh, but I want you to consider the possibility that if Jesus truly is the only way to God, uh, let's look at these four issues real quick that people seem to have with Christians these days. They, they say that we're very narrow-minded. But if Jesus truly is the only way to God, does that claim hold that we are narrow-minded? And I would say, uh, actually, it does. It does hold that we're narrow-minded uh, because the truth is very narrow. And what do I mean by that? I mean, what I mean is, that uh, there's a lot of things, a lot of ways of thought that are in error, but the truth is very narrow. So, two plus two, there's a lot of things that that's not. Two plus two is not one. Two plus two is not two. It's not three. It's not five. It's not 17 million. There's a lot of things that two plus two is not. But there's one thing that two plus two is, and that's four. And so the truth itself is very exclusive. It's very narrow. And uh, you might even uh, take that into other spheres of life. If you were to ask, well, where did you and and Amy on your trip uh, recently to Israel, where did you have a layover? Well, we didn't have a layover in Las Vegas. We didn't have a layover in Amarillo. We didn't have a layover in Vienna, Austria. There's a lot of places we didn't have a layover, but we did in JFK. And so uh, the truth by its very nature, is very narrow. There's a lot of things that falsehood can be, but the truth is very simple and it's very narrow. And so if Jesus is indeed the only way to God, yes, the claim holds that we're being narrow-minded, and that's because the truth is narrow-minded. If Jesus is the only way to God, is it arrogant for Christians to say, that he is. I would say no. It's not an arrogant statement to tell the truth. 
It's an arrogant statement to tell a lie and to present it as the truth. That's very arrogant. But it's not an arrogant statement to uh, simply tell the truth. People say, well, you Christians, you know, you, you're disrespectful to other people's points of view or other people's uh, religions. Uh, but let's think about that. If Jesus is indeed the only way to God, is it disrespectful to say that? I would say that it's disrespectful not to. It would be disrespectful to tell someone a lie and uh, then tell them that what they believe or what you just said is true. That, that's not respectful at all. What's respectful is that you tell someone the truth. And if Jesus truly is the only way to God, is that really an unloving statement to make to someone? I would say no. I would say that it's unloving not to make that statement. It would be unloving for Christians who believe that Jesus is the only way to God to tell people, ah, just follow your own path. Why would that be unloving? Because if he truly is the only way to God, then they would find out the truth too late. And that would not be a very loving action on the part of Christians. But it still stands to um, ask the question, is Jesus the only way to God? And to answer that question, or to help answer that question, we're going to uh, take from our base scripture today this passage that I've asked you to turn to in John chapter 14, uh, and we're going to focus in just a minute on verse 6. But in John chapter 14, Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples. It's the last day of his life. Okay, The very next day, he would be put to death. And Jesus knows this. He, went to, he actually traveled from the Galilean area way up north, about uh, 90 miles to the south, to Jerusalem, in order to be put to death. He knows, he knows the score. He knows that he has hacked off the wrong people. And, uh, and he's done it rather intentionally. And he knows that the very next day, he will be put to death. And so he's having some conversations with his disciples on the day before and this is part of the conversation. And he tells them that he's headed somewhere. In verse 3, in John chapter 14, Jesus says to his disciples, If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I am, you may be also. You know the way to where I'm going. Well, Thomas speaks up in verse 5. He says, Lord, we don't know the way you're going. Or we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? Very simple question. Very good question. Very honest question. If we don't know the destination, how do we know the path, the way, the road to get there? Good question. How do we know the way to wherever you're going? And Jesus answers with this statement in verse 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, this statement is incredibly profound. And I want to look at three things that Jesus focused on in this statement. Jesus talked about the Father in this statement. Jesus talked about himself. He said, I am. And then at the end of the statement, he said, through me, or except through me. 
Okay? So Jesus talked about the Father. He talked about Himself. And then He talked about the path, the road, the way to the Father. And so today I want to look at these three areas and bring the question to bear, is Jesus the only way to God? So let's look at the Father first of all. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. And here's the question that I would ask you. How can all paths lead to God when every religion has a different concept of God? How can they all lead to the same place if they're talking about a different concept of God? For example, in Islam, there is one God, but he is very impersonal. He's very distant. He's not involved in the daily affairs of man. He's, he, he doesn't concern himself with you personally, not in Islam. That's their understanding of God. In Hinduism, God is uh, many things. There are many gods, which means that none of the gods that a Hindu might worship on any particular day is all-powerful. They might have to switch over and worship a different god to get that other thing done. And so you have a very different concept in Hinduism than you do in Islam. In pantheism, everything is God. Everything is God. And so when you look in, in pantheism, when you look in the mirror, you're looking at God. In fact, the mirror itself is God too in pantheism. This is a very different idea than Hinduism and a very different idea than Islam. And you can probably guess it's a very, very different idea than in Christianity. So how can all of these lead to the same God when these ideas are in conflict with one another. You see, either God is personal or he's not. Either God is one or he's not. Either God is separate from his creation or he's not. It cannot be all things. God, by his very nature, must be entirely true. If there is indeed an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-good God, then he must, by his very nature, be true. He is true in what he says, and he is true in who he is. And so, if different religions see God in conflicting ways, then it is impossible for all of these ideas and conflict to be true. It breaks the law of non-contradiction. The law of non-contradiction says that A does not equal B. A cannot equal not A. B is not A. C is not A. D is not A. A is A. And so if you have conflicting views about God, then some of them, in fact most of them, are wrong. Why are most ideas about God wrong? Because truth by its very nature is narrow. Let's talk about Jesus for a minute. In this same verse, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through 
me. And here's the question that I would pose to you. How can all paths lead to God when every religion has a different concept of Jesus? If this is true, what Jesus said, that he is the only way, then how could there ever be other ways? And Jesus still be the way. You take the Hindu view of Jesus. Well, there's nothing unique about Jesus separating him from the other gods in Hinduism. He's just one of about 330 million gods, literally. You take Jesus, uh, the view of Jesus in Islam. Jesus is one of 25 different prophets mentioned in the Quran. One of 25. You take Jesus and many other religions, and they will tell you, well, Jesus was a good moral teacher. He was a good man. He was a man of God, but he was just a good moral teacher. But Christianity, the Christian faith, teaches that Jesus is God himself, that Yahweh, is in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. This is very much in conflict with any other view about Jesus. And so if the Christian view of Jesus is correct, if the biblical view of Jesus is correct, then all of the others are wrong. I want you to listen to what Jesus said. Listen to the claims that Jesus made. These are outrageous claims. That he made. In this very same chapter, in the very next verse, Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 7 If you know me, you will know my Father. What an audacious claim for Jesus to be telling these men sitting with him in the room When you look at me, you're looking at God. What an incredible claim. Jesus continues in verses 9 and 10 of, of this same chapter. He says, the one who has seen me has seen the Father. He said, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. Think about that. Jesus says that the very words that I say are the very words of God. Who would say something like that? And then Jesus says in the very next phrase, The Father who lives in me does his works. Not only do I say what God says, I do the works of God. Jesus said in John chapter 3, the one, and he's speaking of himself, The one who comes from above is above all. He's talking about himself. He's saying, I've come from above. I'm above all. Who would make a claim like that? Jesus says, the one who comes from heaven is above all. He's talking about himself. And then he says in verse 34 of John chapter 3, for the one whom God sent speaks God's words since he gives the Spirit Without measure. These are incredible claims coming from the lips of Jesus. In John chapter 15, verse 5, listen to what Jesus says. He says, I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends 
because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my Father. Think about that. Jesus says, when I hear, I hear the very voice of God. And the things that I've heard from my Father, I've spoken to you. Who would make a claim like that? Jesus says in John 16, For the Father himself, he's talking to his disciples, For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I am leaving the world and going to the Father. Jesus made some incredibly audacious claims. He was claiming to be God in the flesh. And either he is or he's not. C.S. Lewis talks about this idea of um, considering Jesus simply to be a a good moral teacher. Listen to what C.S. Lewis says. He says, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman, or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God, but let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. If the one thing that's off the table, the one thing that is off the table is Jesus simply being a great moral teacher. You see, Jesus cannot be one of many ways to God. Either Jesus is the way to God as he claimed, or he lied. And if he lied, he is no way to God. Has to be one or the other. He cannot be one of many. Either he is the way to God or he lied and he is no way to God. He cannot be one of many. Peter was convinced. Peter said it this way in Acts chapter 4. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Now, finally, I want to talk about the third thing that Jesus mentioned in John chapter 14, verse 6. He mentioned the Father, he mentioned himself, and he mentioned the path or the way to get to God. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And by the way, if you want to check the grammar, he didn't say a way. He said the, singular, one and only. And my question to you is this. How can all paths lead to God when every religion follows a different path? 
How can they all make it to the same God? You see, every other religion teaches us about the way to God. It teaches us to earn our way to God. In Islam, be a good Muslim and hope for the best. Hope that God shows you mercy on the day of judgment. That's all you got in Islam. In Islam, by the way, there's no forgiveness of sins. You just got to hope God overlooks them. There's no means by which sins are forgiven. But that's Islam. And that's how you earn your way to God through Islam, through, through, by being a good Muslim and hoping for the best. In Hinduism, be a good Hindu. And maybe, given enough lifetimes, you can be reincarnated into higher and higher castes until you one day reach nirvana, maybe. In Buddhism, I've got to give a little bit of credit to Buddha. Buddha didn't like this idea of being re reincarnated. He said there's got to be a shortcut. And so in Buddhism, if you be a good Buddhist, then you can reach nirvana in one lifetime. Maybe. Probably not. But maybe. In Mormonism, be a good Mormon and believe in Joseph Smith and go through the secret temple ceremony and wear your special underwear. I'm not making that up. And drink caffeine and tithe and you can reach the celestial heaven and become a god that other creatures worship. Maybe. If you're good enough. In Catholicism, and you might wonder why in the world is he including Catholicism? in with all of these other world religions, and I'll tell you why. Catholicism gets the first two points of this sermon right. They got the Father right. They pretty much got Jesus right. But the way, the path, they're dead wrong. In Catholicism, the way you make it to God is to be a good Catholic and practice the seven sacraments so that you will earn the credits of Jesus' righteousness. And having earned enough credits of Jesus' righteousness, then maybe, maybe, that you can cut down on how many hundreds or thousands of years you might have to suffer in purgatory for the rest of your sins. But according to the Bible, listen to what the Bible says about earning your way to God. Galatians 2.16 and yet, because we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus. This was so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no human being will ever be justified. Romans chapter 3, verse 28. For we conclude that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is God's gift, not of works, so that no one can boast. Listen, if salvation is a gift then you don't earn it. You can't earn it. Because if you earn it, it's no longer a gift, is it? It's a wage. 
It's a payment for your goodness. But according to the Bible, according to the Christian faith, the way of God is different than any other way that man has created. The way of God is not a human creation of how we can climb and ascend and make it and be good enough and earn enough to make it to God. But instead, the way of God is very particular. It's very unique. It's very exclusive. It is the way of faith. A very particular faith. Not just a faith that there's a God out there somewhere, but a faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God who has come to pay for all of your sins. Jesus would tell us today, you aren't good enough. He said as much. A man came to him one day and said, good teacher. And Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one's good but God alone. And, of course, Jesus is good because he is God, but the man didn't know that. Jesus was questioning whether the man was truly understanding that he, Jesus, was good. Only God is good. Only God is good. The Bible tells us that there is none righteous, not even one. The Bible even goes so far as to say this. That all of your goodness, think about all the good things you've done in life. Think about all the things that you intend to do. You just haven't got to it yet, right? Think about all the good things that you've done in life. And the Bible says this about all of your righteousness, all of your goodness. It says they are like bloody rags to God. Bloodied rags. That's your very best. That's your very best. God knows this. Jesus knows this. But do you? Or have you come to church today thinking, well, if I tithe a little bit, you know, and I'm good and God sees me in church, maybe, you know, he'll sort of show his favor to me and maybe I'll make it someday. Listen to me. That's not the way to get to heaven. That's not the way to get to heaven. The only way to get to heaven is to come to the realization, like Martin Luther did so many years ago, 500 years ago, he came to the realization that he was a terrible sinner. Martin Luther was a man who was devoted to God, devoted to the church. He was a priest. He was a university professor. But then one day, he opened up the book of Romans, and he realized that despite all of his efforts, he would never be able to attain God's favor. But instead, Christ attained God's favor perfectly in his life. And by having faith in Christ, Martin Luther could have the assurance of salvation. The same is true for you. The same is true for me. The only person who can save you from your sins is Jesus. He's the only one. You are too spoiled 
to make it to heaven on your own. And by spoiled, I don't mean you got too many goodies from Grandma. By spoiled, I mean you're spoiled like rotten meat. Like an egg that's been sitting out in the sun for days. That kind of spoiled. That kind of offering. And that's your very best. When you come to the point where you realize that despite all of your efforts, despite all of your religiosity, despite all of your upbringing, and all of your, your desire to do the right thing and be a good person, that it's just not enough for God. Then, then you've come to the point when you can fall on your knees before the Savior and say, Jesus, I need you. I need you to do it. The most difficult person to save is the person that's very religious. It's the person that's very good. It's the person that thinks, hey, if, I, if I'm not good enough, no one is. And that's the danger that we face. That we might come to church and be religious and love our neighbor and do all of these good things and come to the conclusion that we got it made. Our ticket is stamped. When in reality, Jesus said, many will come to me on that day. And they will say, didn't we do this? Didn't we do that? And I'll say, I never knew you. The only way you can come to God is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul and Silas said to the jailer in the town of Philippi, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. It's that simple. He's the only way.